don't be afraid to rattle the cage and yeah. shake things up. <laughs> and if you're not invited to the table, make your own table or invite yeah, yourself. Yeah, exactly. Disrupt the status quo. Right. You know why? Because we're not part of it. Welcome to the Filipina on the Rise podcast, where I spotlight Filipina powerhouses, meaning Filipino women doing big things and making an impact. I'm your host, Crystal Fabella. I want to highlight Filipino culture and modern day successes and celebrate what it means to be a Filipina. Today, we're speaking with Jessica Coloza. Jessica is Los Angeles' commissioner on the Board of Public Works, appointed last February by LA Mayor Eric Garcetti. She's one of the city's youngest commissioners and the first Filipina in the position. Prior to serving the Garcetti administration, Jessica served in the Obama administration in the U.S. Department of Education. In 2012, she led a Virginia field office for President Obama's re-election campaign. She was also selected as one of 10 delegates for the Filipino Youth Leadership Program, led by the Ambassador of the Philippines, and is a proud first-generation immigrant from the Philippines. All right, we have here Jessica Coloza. We're in her office. It's the commissioner's office. It looks very official. And you can see I'm repping a lot of Filipino books, yeah. oh, different uh, Filipino art, cookbooks, yes. an award that the mayor has that received last year for his work designating historic yeah. Filipino town, the first uh, official designation of a official Filipino community in a city. I didn't know that. Yeah. Is that here in L.A.? That's here in L.A. in which, the city of Los city? Angeles. I think every every Filipino has to visit that. <laughs> we have yeah. so much to cover. I'm so excited. Um, so we're gonna, you know, talk about Jessica's journey here, how being Filipino has, you know, shaped your experiences and career, your experience in politics or community organizing, and then even answer some questions as the listeners submitted. Um, you know, career advice, things like that, on your work now. The first question to start is, in your own words, who is Jessica Coloza? What do you do and what are you passionate about? And after that, just give me a brief update of everything that's kind of happening right now in your world. Well, <laughs> <laughs> um, I might spend an hour talking. Yeah. Uh, but thank you again for being here, for taking time to come to City Hall to visit. It's always nice seeing a fellow Filipina yes. um, here in the building. But uh, you know, my name is Jessica Closa. I was appointed by the mayor and confirmed by City Council just last month. And... You know, in a nutshell, you know, I am a Filipina first. Mm -hmm. And for me, that's such a big part of who I am, especially my immigrant experience mm -hmm. as a first-generation immigrant has really evolved in terms of who I am as a public servant. It mm -hmm. really does define my work and how I think about issues yeah. and how I care for the community because it's so embedded in my day-to-day mm -hmm. -day in terms of you know, how I, how I review things in our meetings, thinking back to my experiences as a child when we came to LA from the Philippines, thinking through how this could benefit us if, if we were first-generation immigrants here today, right. thinking, will this improve our day-to-day -day and improve our quality of life? And so it's been such a privilege and an honor to be the first Filipina mm -hmm. on this board, Amazing. which is really exciting. And, and as much as, you know, I, I, I am so excited about that, I also, you know, also wish I wasn't the first, right? I wish there were other people who came before me because we have the most Filipino-Americans mm -hmm. here in Los Angeles, mm -hmm. and we have the numbers on our side. And... I don't want to be the first and last. I want to be the first of many. And that's really what I want to yeah. focus on during my time here is really making sure that we create a pipeline for Filipino Americans, right. specifically Filipinas, to make sure that they have access to City Hall, yeah. access to government, and they realize what the process is yeah. and to make sure that they can get in these seats right. too. 
um, in a sense, you are a trailblazer then. Because a lot of professions, things seem a lot more possible if there's someone who's gone ahead of you that you can identify with in that position. Um, it almost empowers you more to, to picture yourself in that space and position. Of course, I want to get into the journey of how exactly you got to this point. Also, shout out, Jessica went to UC San Diego, which is where I went, Ooh. go Tritons. Super excited about that. So yeah, walk us through your journey from when you you know arrived from the Philippines um, all the way to how you got to this point. Thank you. No, I was born in Kisum City, Philippines. Oh, nice. And so I'm the youngest of six children. And wow. we had the opportunity to come here when I was about four years old. Mm -hmm. And so when I was born, I think we had been waiting um, probably about six or seven years already. Wow. So by the time I was four, we had been waiting for over a decade mm. for our papers. And obviously, I didn't know this at the time. I just remember going to the airport and experiencing, yeah. you know, family separation because we went in two batches. My three eldest siblings went with my dad right. first to really okay. establish our, um, our family and our life here in the U.S. And I just remember being so confused about mm -hmm. where my dad was going, where my older mm -hmm. siblings were going, and why we were getting left behind. Yeah. Especially as a young child, I think. How old were you? I was four. Okay. Um, and I have vivid memories yeah. of going to the airport and just crying my yeah. eyes out. So confused, but uh, about a year later, then my family, um, the other half of my family, went over to L.A. Okay. And so we lived with my grandparents. Gotcha. And so it was definitely a multi-family mm -hmm. household, which is very common, common for Filipinos. And we're so good at helping our families establish themselves, mm -hmm. especially when they're new immigrants. Exactly. My siblings and my parents Ultimate. work service jobs. You know, they worked at Jack in the Box, Burger King. Mm -hmm. My mom worked at the 99 cent store. Really? And a lot of their degrees from the Philippines couldn't transfer, uh, transfer yeah. over. And that's such a big problem yeah. for so many immigrant communities coming over here is that their degrees don't transfer yeah so it's not that they traditionally did service jobs it's that they got stuck in service jobs yeah. here because yeah their degrees weren't valid sure. here. jessica lived in different parts of la for a while until they saved enough to move into an apartment which she describes as not in the best neighborhood but how as an immigrant you don't really know what the best neighborhoods are you just know your price points and what you can afford she actually spoke no English when she got here and learned it herself with the help of Hooked on Phonics. While she had many siblings, there weren't very many people around her to help her after school or homework because everyone was so busy hustling for jobs and money. So I was very curious what changed her path into public service and policy. I want to know, growing up, were you encouraged in a certain profession or direction? And when did you really feel pulled towards into politics? So we have um, we have one of the listeners asking, how did you get into politics and what inspired you? So did that start early on or did you find that later on in you know school or career? It definitely happened very organically and okay. I can talk a little bit about that. But my family, you know, always supported me, but I was pretty mm -hmm. independent. Okay. But uh, my experience in terms of what defined me and wanting to go into public service was actually when I was at UC San Diego. Nice. I was working several jobs. Okay. I had a number of internships, and it was my senior year, mm -hmm. and I got very sick. Mm. I got very sick that winter, and I stopped answering my phone from my mom, and she got so freaked out that like she drove it to my apartment. From OC. From okay. OC. And I, she rushed me to the emergency room. Right. So I, I was actually about to die on my birthday. 
Oh my yeah, god. Yeah, I had a really bad pneumonia as a virus and oh as a bacteria, my and my lung was on the verge of collapsing. And I had birthday. just, I, I had had pneumonia for several weeks, okay. and I didn't know. That's it. really scary, yeah. Yeah, and I just remember I actually would just be sleeping and actually missed several days of class because wow. I just got so terribly, it was your senior year. terribly ill. And it's significant that it happened on my birthday because. I actually would have phased out of my parents' insurance plan because mm. I was admitted after midnight. Wow. And I literally spent my birthday in the emergency wow. room that uh, had the president, President Obama, not pass the Affordable Care Act the prior year. You know, even though I recovered several months later, yeah. I was in, you know, ICU and all that stuff, I would have had just crushing debt. Almost $300,000 worth of hospital Oof. bills once I got out. And so wow. it was a defining moment for me in that I felt so grateful right. to this person who fought for healthcare yeah. for millions of people yeah. that you will never meet. Yeah. And so he impacted my life in a way that yeah. I could never yeah. repay. And that's what really <sighs> defined me. Like literally. Into, literally yeah. uh, defining me in terms of wanting to give back. And go into public service because I wow. was just seeing the power of policy also. Yeah. That, that act, yeah. And so it was just this near death experience for me oh on my, my birthday. And I was, you know, I said, you know, if I ever get out of this hospital bed, I am going to do everything in my power to make sure I pay this forward and that I believe in good government. You yeah. know, this shows me that good public policy and good public programs really do matter. Fact. Yeah, exactly. And I, I always knew that intrinsically because if I look at my background, I'd only ever gone to public schools. Uh -huh. We were supported by a number of public programs since we were you know, very poor growing up. Mm -hmm. And this was just yet another example of how government was really there to save me yeah. and really be the support, support system, exactly. After she got out of the hospital, Jessica had to stay for a full year at UCSD, having been gone for several months. During one of her quarters, she did the UCDC program and spent a quarter in Washington, D.C. She applied for a number of internships, one of them being President Obama's Council on Jobs and Competitiveness, and got in. It was her first introduction into the White House. After interning there, her boss recommended her to work on the campaign side, which is what transitioned her to work in the elections. Did you ever have the chance to actually relay that story to... Yes, Mr. President. <laughs> I, did, I did actually. So they asked me in my interview, like, where where do you want to go? Do you have any restrictions on where you're going to work? Yeah. We have offices in all the states. And I said, I would go anywhere for the president. <laughs> I'm like, send me where you need help. Yeah. And me and my big mouth, they sent me to, to Central yeah. Rural Virginia. I saw that. I was like, what was she doing out there? Yeah. No, but that's pretty. That's really um, interesting. And because. For yeah. me, it's always about service. Mm -hmm. And if you're a public servant, if you're in government, you're here to serve. And okay. so it's you have to be selfless. Absolutely. And you always have to ask those questions of, like, where can I yeah. be of most help? Yeah. And if that's in rural, rural yeah. central Virginia, then so be it. And so I drove across the country so with cute. my mom in my, oh, wow. my dingy little car. And Wait, were, they, were they supportive through all of this? I think they thought I was probably crazy, especially when <laughs> when my mom and I were driving across the yeah. country, and we I think we were in Arizona, and I think she was just so confused about why yeah, I was yeah. doing this. Yeah. I don't even think I've ever fully explained to my family that that experience yeah. was what defined me to yeah. go into this, but you know they've always supported That's me amazing. always, even though they 
may think it's crazy whatever yeah. I'm doing, they mm-hmm. will they're always supportive. And yeah. so Yeah, awesome. And so did the story ever get across to Yes, okay. yes. So uh, President Obama came to visit Virginia a few times, and okay. one of the times was in Central Rural Virginia. And I did get <laughs> to meet him, and I okay. let him know my story. And it's just again one of those key stories that, in, in terms of any policy, where it's so good to connect people to the policy, exactly. to truly understand that what we're doing is not for naught, exactly, and that we're fighting for real people, and when there's good policies and good programs and that's what's at stake it's worth fighting for yeah it seems like you know when it comes to policy and just the process that goes into all of it you know drafting it um there's that like that starting point and then the end point is who it's reaching um and so sometimes that seems so far like you know a maybe disconnected, but then what you saw was like a hit home. It was very closely tied. And I'm sure that goes into everything you're doing now as you're, you know, reviewing and drafting policies or you know, initiating it, that you're thinking of that that person that it's gonna impact. No, and thank you for summarizing that so nicely. Yeah. I think that is the key part about government, right? Is that it should work for the people that it's serving. Mm-hmm. And that we have to constantly bring it back to that mm-hmm. and ground ourselves is how is this going to affect the people. Yeah. And that's really what I try to bring is that, and the nice part is that it's, they're usually very practical yeah. solutions, right? Keeping kids, uh, young adults on their parents' plan uh, until after, several, several years after they left college is very practical. Mm-hmm. Cutting them off from insurance while they're in college mm. is not. So these are all things that are not only practical, but they're better for our bottom line yeah. as a country, as a government. Absolutely. Now looking at all this, you know, how has being Filipino shaped you in your career and your different endeavors? Yeah, I think for me, I always try to uplift minority voices mm-hmm. and voices of people of color. And so I do focus on Filipino Americans, but I also just focus on people who aren't represented in general. Mm -hmm. Because I feel like growing up, I didn't see very many Filipino faces in government. And for me, you know, uh, uh, Councilwoman uh, Nuri Martinez in City Mm -hmm. Council says this a lot, but, you know, you can't can't be what you can't see. Yeah. Right? And so that's such a key part about representation yeah. and being Filipina is so you can be Filipina in government, mm-hmm. but if you don't let people know that, you're taking such a huge part away of what you're there to represent. Mm-hmm. And so as you can see just yeah. here in my office, you know what country I'm from. Right, right. <laughs> just to kind of go off of that, um, so I'm just kind of trying to relate my experiences. At UCSD, I did a lot of student politics and yeah. higher education and accessibility like policy around that. And then going into spaces um, and seeing, kind of being the only one of your kind of background in the room, that was interesting to me, but also kind of, it kind of invigorated me or you know it kind of propels you to like oh this is where I need to be like being in spaces so it's you know being in spaces where you know you walk in sometimes you're the only one um in the room that is you know Filipino or even just a you know, woman of color like what effect did that have on you of course I don't think it's ever about us versus them right yeah. I'm curious how that almost propelled you forward mm-hmm. no it I think that's a great question. I think for me, when I'm sitting literally at a table in a meeting, Mm -hmm. I'm very sensitive to who's at the table and what it looks like. Are there more men than women? 
are there more, you know, of a certain ethnicity than others? Mm -hmm. And when there is, I do like to point it out. Okay. And it's not a criticism, you know, it, it's constructive feedback, yeah. both to the person running to the meeting, the running the meeting and the organization. And I provide that feedback here at City Hall as well with the teams and the bureaus and the departments that mm -hmm. I work with, because you have to build awareness about who's yeah. not at the table. And for me, it's always about building coalitions with other communities. So if I see one community underrepresented or if I don't see enough women at the table, I will make a point to say something. Yeah. And you have to say something. Yeah. You know, if you, if not you, then who else? Mm -hmm. Right? You're at the table. So so be the voice yeah. for the other people who aren't there. Make okay. sure that there is awareness right. that there is something lacking because there is so much that can we can benefit from as a government, as a society, from diverse opinions yeah. at the table and that comes Absolutely. from diverse communities. Absolutely. So, so there, there comes a lot of question around, well, oh, are we only pulling more people to the table because we want to make it look my, more diverse? You know, the big why behind that. And I really think that's a conversation we should dig into and, and um, zoom out and look, look at the importance of that. Yeah, I mean, it's important because we represent different experiences of what it's like to be from this community mm -hmm. in America. And we can't rely on other people to relate to experiences that they've never mm -hmm. had and how certain policies or programs have affected them. Mm -hmm. You know, I can't speak to certain issues even though I am a woman of color, even though, you know, let's say for instance, you know, a Latina American is experiencing, you know, discrimination in a different way than I have in mm -hmm. personal experience as an Asian American because we you know, there is a model minority myth in the Asian American mm -hmm. community that there's valid points there. And that's why representation is so important. You mm -hmm. have to bring a diversity of opinions and backgrounds to mm -hmm. decision making, especially at the highest levels, because it's going to impact those very people. Mm -hmm. And you yeah. need to make sure that the people it's going to impact are in the room. Exactly. I'm curious, um, in this field, you were in community organizing, right? And you did you know, you did the electoral campaigns, um, you worked in the Obama administration and then the office of the mayor, this administration. Um, do you see a lot of Filipinos in this field or trying to enter now? Yeah, no, I think that's a great, something that's great to talk about. There's a ton of Filipinos specifically who have blazed the trail before me yeah. and they're the people I look to for advice. One of them is uh, Jocelyn Giaga Rosenthal. We call her the the mother of historic Filipino town, if you will, oh. just because her family has had such a rich history in this community with starting different Filipino nonprofits and uh, civic engagement initiatives. One of the things I want to focus on in this position mm -hmm. is really building the pipeline out because I do think that while there's a handful of Filipinos at City Hall, mm -hmm. we need more. Yeah. We always need more, and it's so important to build these partnerships with the local universities, mm -hmm. and especially the public universities, that they make sure that there's so many cool opportunities here in government. And I think how Filipino young Filipinos now may think government is a little antiquated, they want to work in cooler, techier mm -hmm. spaces. I can tell you there's a lot of amazing things happening yeah. at City Hall that you want to get involved in. And ultimately, government is comprised of people. Yeah. And so government is what you make of it, depending on who's there. It can be as antiquated like or as tech-heavy or as, yeah. as innovative yeah. as the people who are, who are there. running it. Yeah, exactly. When you think about it, when you know we look at textbooks, a lot of the people that we see in government are in history. Um, you don't see Filipinos. So... 
I think where, what you're getting at is building that pipeline to show that these are spaces that we do belong into and that we have we are we could shape government and history um, so how do you how do you kind of combat that you know growing up the lack of seeing us in those spaces but then now you're building a pipeline and and encouraging more young folks who might not be interested in but maybe they just don't see that they have a they have a place there too yeah I think when you have a near-death experience on your birthday <laughs> you and you make it out okay on the other side you become fearless mm, and for me I love it I just had a moment of awakening where it doesn't matter if I get rejected or if I fail at something because I almost just died. <sighs> so if I can make it through that, anything else is going to be a breeze. Yeah. So for me, I didn't even think that, you know, I didn't let that thought keep me from doing anything that I didn't see any Filipinos. Mm. All I yeah. wanted to do was always just to help and to serve. Yeah. And one opportunity led to another. So for... The young Filipinos, Filipinos listening, yeah, I wouldn't let these mental hurdles keep you from trying. And I think a lot of where we stop ourselves is we are our own worst enemies. Mm. We get in our head too much, and before even trying, we're already half committed. Uh-huh. And you really need to be fully committed to what you're doing, yeah. and you need to care. Yeah, That's one of my biggest advices to yeah. even my nieces and nephews now is that you can't teach people how to care. Wow. Right? Is you can't teach people to care about community, to care about government yeah. but if you have that and you work really hard there's no other there's country in the world you. yeah exactly where you can have more opportunities yeah. than right here in the u.s because Absolutely. we're so fortunate to have a life here especially as a first generation immigrant so i see the life i would have had in the exactly. philippines and we are Same, yeah. even more poor in the philippines yeah. and what are we going to make out of these opportunities yes is hopefully more opportunities yes. for other people absolutely i think that can you know, looking back to the privileges and opportunities we have coming into this country, it almost feels like you have the accountability, um, the responsibility maybe to continue to expand that opportunity and to give back to building a you know a better country that has provided us the, the, the access and space to resources and um, growth that we wouldn't have either, otherwise. Would you agree? Absolutely. Like, I think Filipinos in general just have big hearts. Mm-hmm. And if you have a big heart, you should definitely be in government because (laughs) you care about other people. And I think that's so prevalent in so many families, Mm -hmm. right? So many of us still give like buying boxes home to the Philippines. We're constantly sharing our food. Everyone that we just met is now our instant family. Mm -hmm. So we, that's so part of our culture. It is. And that is infectious in government. And that's the kind of culture that that you want to bring into these spaces. Yeah. That actually leads to my next question where, you know, I was going to ask how has Filipino cultural traits factored in to your, you know, the way that you navigate a space or your interactions within the government and stuff? You know, I'm, I'm blessed. I'm, I'm really lucky that I feel lucky that I'm Filipino because mm-hmm. we are a people person. We're yeah. a culture that loves people and loves mm-hmm. talking. And that is really helpful when you're in government and politics because if you know how to connect with people and you know how to talk to people and you know how to be instant family and instant friends, Mm -hmm. that's so helpful in making people trust you and that you want to do things to be helpful. Yeah, absolutely. And being, I think, naturally having that as part of our culture and a lot of people are very aware of how opening and welcoming we are is so important, especially during this day and age when you're not necessarily seeing that kind of culture 
at the highest level of government, mm-hmm. like in DC. Is, is there a specific moment that you've seen that play out with an interaction you've had with you know someone in the community, um, in a way that someone really felt they could connect with you or felt welcomed by you? Yeah, so, I think you know if a week or two ago. We hosted a Filipino event that really tied into civic engagement. Mm-hmm. And it was here in downtown, and we were hosting it at a Japanese restaurant in Little Tokyo, right? So there's already a lot of cross-cultural yeah. things going on. There were a Filipino organization doing it at a Japanese restaurant, okay. and there happened to be another group there of people from City Hall, and some of them were actually Salvadorian. Oh. They were just hosting a dinner for one of their friends. And our table being just you know, how much we love talking to people went over there and we recruited yeah. them to be part of our <laughs> Filipino organization. Yeah. And we talked about coalition building, how important it is to have non-Filipinos joining our organization yeah. and how we would also mm-hmm. join their next Salvadorian event yeah. because it's so important to that. show that we support them. Yeah. And just reaching out yeah. in different ways. And I think that's a key part of being Filipino is yeah. that we, we care so much and that yeah. it doesn't stop us from talking to people. To other people, yeah, yeah. going beyond our own group. Um, and I think like sharing our culture. I, I like the concept of every different cultural group, I think has something very special about them. They have a very special trait. I think Filipinos, that would be treating people like family, I think is something <laughs> that we're good at. I mean, we by default call people auntie and uncle even though they're not <laughs> related to us yeah and everyone turned around exactly like just call the whole room auntie and everyone will turn right. around or you know kuya nate what would you say is your favorite thing or aspect about filipino culture you can think about family parties or traditions or things like that food um, anything that in a specific experience you had growing up? I think it would be hard for me not to talk about food <laughs> yeah. here in my office. You can see that I have, oh, I only have one cookbook right now. But I actually just uh, got a cookbook from a Filipina cookbook store in downtown. Oh. They sell only exclusively cookbooks. I got a book there uh, last week called No Forks Given. It just talks about the culture and history of Kamayan. Ooh, yes. And it's something Can you explain that to people who might not know? Yeah, Kamayan is just a Filipino tradition Mm -hmm. of eating with your hands. Mm -hmm. And I understand that so well because my husband, he's from the Midwest. Oh. And he, he you know, he's not, he's he's American. Okay. And he uses, we met in D.C. (laughs) He uses his fork and knife and spoon so well and, and, so, and so coordinated I'm actually very you know jealous of it yeah but for me I like I my coordination with a fork and knife mm-hmm. is terrible I can only literally hold one utensil <laughs> at a time unless the other utensil is a me spoon too. and so for me I always have a tendency too to eat with my hands so I really <laughs> I really just related to this cookbook that I'm digging into now it just talks about the culture of eating with your mm-hmm. hands and um, uh, the chefs, uh, she actually has an amazing story. She'd be great on your podcast. Ooh, we should bring she, her <laughs> she actually did a pop-up, combined pop-up in all 50 states. What? Yes, in one year. Oh my God. Yes. <laughs> the Filipino food. And yeah. the, not just because you get to eat and enjoy it, but just because it brings people together yeah. and you can break bread. Totally. And uh, it's almost a vehicle for yeah. talking about other things, right? Totally. I think Anthony Bourdain mm-hmm. um, was really good at doing that, especially in his last few seasons where 
if you looked at what he was doing, he was actually talking about really highly political issues hmm. over eating. And so it's actually not about the food at all. It was actually just a vessel and, and a vehicle in which to bring people, people together. together. And I think that's, that's what's really powerful about food yeah. in the Filipino community is that we can do that. Yeah. Right? So this one is to, uh, this is from Elsie. She asks, what advice would you give to millennials who want to make a difference but are struggling to find and or make their path? I think one of them I mentioned earlier is be, be fearless, you know, no is not a bad thing. Mm-hmm. Don't be discouraged by it. You have to try. Mm-hmm. And that is such a key part is, again, getting over those mental hurdles. And once you do, make sure to reach out to people who you do see as inspiration or people that you can talk to, even though you don't know them, mm-hmm. and ask how you can help or how you can get involved. Uh, I have... I've developed several pen pals <laughs> since my confirmation, but I have literally been writing emails back and forth to all these people uh, across the country, yeah. different parts of California who have just reached out to me, Amazing. asking me for advice and wanting to talk. And so you have to reach out to those people. Yeah. And for me, um, on the other end now, you know, I've actually also been on that side too, where yeah. I've been reaching out to people that I've seen yeah. in the news or people I've been following, reaching out to them for help. Uh, being on this other end now is you have to make sure that you're accessible. And that's what I would say to a lot of uh, the Filipino and community leaders is when people reach out to you, make sure you respond. (laughs) Make sure that you're accessible. And that's such a key part about being in the community. Don't turn people away and make sure you have an open door for anybody Mm -hmm. who asks you anything. I love that. And I am so grateful because you responded so fast. You were, I mean, I was like, oh my God, I got an email from her. She must be so busy. Like I can't (laughs) this and um, I was so honored to get you yeah no (laughs) are you kidding me I'm so honored to to be here and I think that but it's like you're keeping yourself accessible and I also see that it's a way of like maybe paying forward because that's something that you did you reached out to people who gave their time to you and now you're really doing that and investing back so thank you of course yeah um and then if you had a message to send to all Filipino women it's very big what would it be (laughs) Gosh, I think, you know, I just came from the Filipino Women's Network event yesterday. Yeah. And I actually have the volumes of the three books. Yeah. And that's those three volumes they, they gave it to me as a gift are filled with Filipina stories. Mm. And so I'm so excited to wow. dig into them. But my favorite part about their book series is that it's called Disrupt. Yeah. And that's what my message would be to mm. Filipinos out there is don't be afraid to rattle the cage and yeah. to shake things up. Um, there's this quote that I love, and uh, I'm going to see if I can say it without butchering it, but uh, it, it's a quote, and I forgot who said it, but it's a well-behaved woman never make history. Yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> and I, this is some effect to that, but I just love that quote so much. Yeah. All right? So disrupt the status quo. You know why? Because we're not part of it. Uh-huh. Right? <laughs> and if you're not invited to the table, make your own table or invite yeah, yourself. Yeah. Exactly. Pull really? the yeah, exactly. <laughs> and shake things up. I, yeah. That's what I would say is be fearless. Yeah. Um, we have to continue to push the boundaries of where we can go. Mm-hmm. And only we can do that. Exactly. Absolutely. What, what makes you proud to be Filipino now? I'm so proud to be Filipino just because I think our culture is so special mm-hmm. because we're so giving to other people 
and that we put family first. Mm -hmm. And that's so important because we see everyone as family. Yeah. Yeah. And so I see this, again, this infectious culture that we have and that it's really something to be shared Mm -hmm. because we are so open, we're so welcoming. And you see other cultures and, you know, they're not as fortunate that Mm -hmm. they have such an opening and welcoming space for other people. We've never had that problem. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. and even for people in the Philippines, when you go home, even people who don't have very much, mm-hmm. they're some of the happiest people yeah. in the world because we're just happy to be mm-hmm. living. Yeah, exactly. Right? And, and so, content with what we have in front of us. Exactly. And so we have to make the most out of mm-hmm. that. So true. For, you know, for non-Filipino listeners, because we do, we have those, and I'm very happy about that. What would you want them to know about our culture or just kind of learn about it? To the non-Filipino listeners, you know, your honorary Filipino, that's what I want to tell you, is we are such a welcoming culture and that everyone is truly family. And the more that people want to be a part of that, Mm -hmm. we welcome them with open arms Mm -hmm. and we treat them like no other. True. And so I encourage you to go to your nearest Filipino restaurant, Filipino organization, yeah. and engage because ultimately we all live on the same planet. Yeah. We're all people. Yeah. And we, you know, we welcome you. Yeah. And you will leave home with a, a baon, <laughs> a take-home box with food yeah. in it. Um, and then the last fun question I have is, what's your favorite Filipino dish? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I really love adobo. I'm a traditionalist <laughs> in that sense because you yeah. can use different meats in yeah. adobo. You can do True. shrimp, you can do pork, chicken. chicken, it can be I just vegetarian, love the sauce. And vegan. So good. It just, you know, reminds me of home. Yeah. And for me it's our unofficial yeah. national dish. And if there's something about it that at a party at a potluck, yeah. it's one of the first dishes to go. To go. Just because <laughs> It's not just a dish, right? Yeah. That's the thing about Filipino food or food in general is that there's so many memories attached yeah. to it. Absolutely. And with adobo, everyone has, I think, just positive memories. Now I'm getting hungry for that too. <laughs> well, to wrap it up, what's what's ahead for you right now? What lies ahead? What's on the agenda? Um, you know, what is what are you excited about? I just I'm focused on the community. Mm-hmm. And I'm focused on making sure that the mayor's priorities and all these good things that we're doing at City Hall, our communities know about them. Mm-hmm. And also, for the Filipino-American community, I want to make sure that there's some healing there. Mm-hmm. I think that's something that we don't do enough of. And with... Healing um, with what? Healing in terms of relationships. There's okay. a lot of fractured relationships, okay. a lot of... Uh, situations between different organizations that may not like each other mm. but for me as a public service and me in government I'm here to listen to everybody wow. okay. and so that was a lot of stuff that I've been dealing yeah. with even yeah. uh, in my position before in the mayor's office yeah. it's just really listening to concerns in the community of things of disagreements and just making sure that we take a moment to pause yeah. this year and really make sure and realize that we're all part of the yeah. same family and that we have to get along in order to move the ball forward. And so I just really want to focus on that deep tissue healing this year. (laughs) That's a great start. People just, you know, usually like go like full full speed ahead and then you're like, we need to start with us and heal. I do. I I think it's so important. Um, You can't move forward unless you look back and realize Mm -hmm. that there's a lot of some broken relationships that need to be mended. Yeah. And there's a lot that we can do first to heal before we can make true progress. I love it. 
I just want to say thank you so much for for the dynamic that you bring to this position to to government, you know, as an accessible person and thinking of everybody's family and the heart that you are bringing to not just this this role, but I think in public service and also trailblazing for your young folks everywhere that um, these are spaces we could be in and continue to, to make a change in this country that we love. So, <laughs> thank you so much, Jessica. Oh, thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure and you know, feel free to come visit me anytime in LA. Thank you so much for listening. I'd love if you can subscribe and or leave a review. And I can't wait to see you next time for the next Filipina on the Rise.